Tony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special podcast on Eric Ten Hag. This one's a new one, uh, and we're featuring our first ever guest on the Bola Boys, and he goes by the name of Joel Zat. Joel, how are you doing? Great, great. Thanks, thanks for being here. Such an honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. So I know Joel uh, from university, uh, good mates. Uh, we studied the same course, playing the same uni football team, but more importantly, he is a lifelong Ajax fan who currently lives in the Netherlands as well. He's been to loads of Ajax games, Eredivisie, Champions League, and he watches the league, of course, very, very closely. And as Eric Ten Hag is moving to United, confirmed a few weeks ago, we also have on the pod one of your other favorite hosts. It's Vis. Vis, hello, how hello. are you feeling? Um, feeling yes. in general? Or? <laughs> well... <laughs> Where that question is going is because we're recording this on the back of a 4 0 loss to uh, Brighton last night. So I, do, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what to feel. Oh, anymore. you don't know. It's, it's, I'm oh, numb. Yeah. You know, it's, you're numb. Come to that okay. point. I'm just numb. Just numb. Okay. Uh, on the back of that, um, we are going to get some interesting and unique insights uh, into Ajax, Eric Ten Hag. Especially we have Joel on the podcast, and I think a good place to start will be where it all started basically for Eric Ten Hag uh, when he was appointed as Ajax manager uh, halfway through the 2017-18 season, taking over from Marcel Kaiser, my namesake, who was sacked along with Dutch legend Dennis Bergkamp, who was one of his assistants. Uh, he comes into the job with not much experience, Joel. He managed Utrecht before. Sorry if I butcher some Dutch words today. Uh, apologies in advance. And before that, he managed the Bayern Munich second team and also a smaller Dutch team called Go Ahead Eagles. And so I guess on this news uh, that was received in 2017-18, it's quite far back. But do you remember what the reaction was like generally uh, within the fan base, uh, yourself as well? And I guess because of his lack of experience, what were the expectations like for Eric Ten Hag? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was a bit of, bit of mixed feelings. I think uh, definitely some skepticism at first. You know, mm. on the plus side, he was... He's tactically strong, you know, he, he had proven uh, that he could bring a certain style of play in, especially with Utrecht. Playing uh, or coaching Bayern, he had working with Pep and he'd received kind of good praise, good reviews there. So he had a bit of kind of qualifications there. But the big question was, could he deliver at, at, at the big Ajax? You know, Ajax's biggest club yeah. in the Netherlands. What kind of didn't play in his favor was he, uh, he didn't have an Ajax background. You know, not as a player okay. and also had not been part of the staff. So wasn't, say, part of the family. Uh, mm. And on top of that, he, he also didn't come from the area. So Ten Hag comes from, from the east of the country. He's got a kind of specific accent from that country, or from that part of the country. Was there something that uh, Ajax, I guess, prioritized before they... I mean, was there a pattern you saw that they always hired people that were in the Ajax family usually. Yeah, so it's it, sort of against the norm. Um if you look at the past they they generally do favor people with Ajax background. If you look at uh, mm. what Kaiser had been uh, Ajax youth coach, 
before okay. Frank de Boer was also um, well Ajax legend and had come through the youth. Uh, right. And also just it, it helps kind of to have the backing of the club, right? If, if they right. are kind of a Ajax, uh, part of the Ajax family. So yeah, that didn't work in his favor. And like I said, especially with the accent and everything, it, it's all just made it a bit more uh, awkward. At yeah. the same time, the expectation was to win a title, uh, right? They Maybe not in the first half of the season, but quick enough. They hadn't won in, I think, four or five years. So it wasn't mm-hmm. going to get so much time. So yeah, there was a bit of skepticism at first. I think in the first half of the year, or the first half, his first half in the season, he um, the second half of the season, his first uh, first bit needed some time to get the team running. To and they weren't weren't really performing, weren't playing the way he wanted to play. PSV won the won the title that year, and they actually the game that they won it was against Ajax, uh, where they beat them three nil. So there was uh, after that. Um, 17 18 season at the end there was wasn't sure whether he was going to continue i think the there wasn't any um, negative comments from the players itself but from within the club is was he the right man for the job and then 18 19 he he brought in some new players uh Lind came tadic came and things started running and that that's kind of when things picked up and and he was able to kind of bring his style of play okay yeah i think we can fast forward that period and touch on the 2018-19 uh, season where he did bring in players and just touch on basically all his achievements at Ajax uh, so far in summary. Um, so he's won two domestic titles. Three times uh, he got first place, but of course the 1920 season was stopped early due to COVID, so there was no actual winner. Uh, and he won two domestic cups as well. And how much do you think that 2018-19 sort of transfer window uh I guess uh, contributed to, um, yeah, starting the success of um, basically Ten Hag's tenure. And would you consider it a successful uh, period? Especially, um, I guess Ajax are expected to win the domestic titles on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, so I think uh, touching on on winning the domestic title, yes, it's an expectation, and it's it, it doesn't make it easy to win it back to back, but uh, it is expected. Yeah. Um, so I think his, his biggest uh, achievement are, are the consistency, but also the, the Champions League run itself on the, in 18-19 and also uh, the group stages this year. I think it's a combination. Bringing in the bigger player, the more experienced players definitely helped to bring kind of that consistency in the team. Bring mm-hmm. in a bit more professionalism, kind of the winning, uh, winning mentality. Also brought in a few uh, of the South American players, you know, who are a bit more uh, stronger in the tackles and and definitely kind of uh, winning above anything else, that kind of mentality. So that definitely worked well and uh, meshed well with kind of the Ajax kind of more technical players. So, yeah, I think that combination definitely um, was was a setup for for the success. Building on those points, I guess, um, like we mentioned about the domestic titles, but I think what was potentially most impressive i think we touched on this on the previous pod as well uh, along with rahul was the champions league run that you had in 2018-19 where you reached the semi-finals and was very unlucky to not make it to the finals where you would have lost to liverpool eventually um <laughs> what <laughs> reg- but it would have been a, i would have thought it would be a more exciting final than <laughs> this first one which wasn't yeah. hard um and i guess just wanted to think about your thoughts on what sort of attributed to this um, success and how did he achieve uh, this Champions League uh, run, basically? Yeah, well, so actually, uh, 
it's it's been exactly three years now uh, on this day of of recording that that the the, uh, the infamous semi final against Spurs still uh, still cuts cuts deep. <laughs> it's about ninety minutes of uh, pure enjoyment, and then for, oh, uh, the final minutes of uh, of doom. But uh, but anyways, no, I think the um, the main contribution, or I think the the main factor here is that. Uh, it was really a team performance, and then Tanakh really got the team running. Everyone knew their role. Everyone followed kind of the tactics and 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 the style of play, but was also given the freedom to to be creative, to to uh, to play the attacking football that that uh, we want to play. So he was really able to to create a system and a team where everyone knew what to do, but also got the right players to excel. And then think about a Frankie de Jong, Ziyech, and and a Tadic. But I think what's interesting is the fact that, and kind of an indication that it was such a team performance, is if you look at kind of the uh, all those top players from that uh, that team and where they are now, yeah. they, were, they had such high expectations, you know, when they left. But actually, if you look at them, uh, Frenkie de Jong, uh, Matthijs de Ligt, Donny van der Beek, uh, Ziyech, none of them are actually superstars or top players or, well, the superstars in their teams, in their current teams. Yeah, there was a lot of hype, yeah, in the Champions League run, as you mentioned, and I mean there were transfer figures that were quoted that were super high and ridiculous. I think I talked to you at that period as well, and you were a bit more cautious on their uh, potential. And w- which one of them, even I mean, Donny Van der Beek went to United as well. And now he's been loaned out to Everton, for example. So I mean, that's a huge uh, example of what you just mentioned. I think it's interesting you mentioned the style of play and tactics and how this Ajax team is set up, it's interesting whether we can find some basic comparisons with how United play and how he can bring that style of play. This, I don't know if you remember this, the Champions League run and also uh, basically just watching Ajax uh, in the previous seasons that you have yeah. uh, and now the YouTube highlights, uh, I'm sure that you've uh, yeah. gone through after Eric Ten Hag's uh, appointment. Yeah. I don't know, are you... Interested to see specific parts that he could bring to United uh, in terms of his tactics and style of play. What are you interested about, and what are you what do I you think, think he'll bring? Um, going back to Joel's point of him getting them to play as a team, I think that's a that's a major thing that he has to do with this current United squad. I always tell my friends, I always tell the both of you that United as a team, they have individual talent like all across the the you know first 11 first 15 maybe all top players but they don't play as a team and it's more of like watching an international side you know all top players but they don't play as a team there's no proper pattern of play you know there's no structure whatsoever so i think that would be the biggest uh difference that he would make to get united to play as a team basically to have a sort Mm. of style of play you know so yeah that's what i'm looking forward to yeah, especially watching yesterday, I watched the extended highlights for the Brighton game. I mean, yeah, there was definitely a lack of that. Especially you have all the superstar players like Varane, uh, who you brought in, um, Sancho and etc. And they work, and Maguire even, I think, who perform at such a good level for their country and also their previous clubs and come to United and somehow has failed to kick on. And so I think that definitely shows a failure in the system. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and to build on that, I guess uh, both Joel and Viz, you have um, sort of an opinion on which players might benefit most uh, from Eric Ten Hag coming to United. I think the 
see all the system players as what I like to call them, I think they would excel. So players like Sancho, I think he would benefit a lot. Um, Dalo, Fred, uh, Van Der Beek, of course, hopefully. Let's see what he does with Van Der Beek. Yeah, um, I still have faith in Rashford as well. I think Ilanga will do well. And um, Lindelof as well as a ball-carrying centre-back, somebody who can, you know, is relatively good on the ball. He can mm. give ping-long balls. I think he's going to be quite vital to how Eric Ten Hag would want to play. And then as well as Ronaldo, I personally think he can get the best out of Ronaldo if he, if he stays, provided he stays. I mean, mm. I think Joel has a point in saying that how that Ronaldo factor is a factor in itself, right? About how he wants to play and is Ronaldo going to do the legwork, you know? Is he going to actually run, follow the system or not? But the way I look at it is like if he can, if Eric Ten Hag can get Allaire to score 30 odd goals, I think more than 30 goals, I don't see why he can't get, you know, an easy 20, 25 goals out of Ronaldo. But then again, you know, I don't know exactly how Allaire plays. Is he a hardworking sort of player, you know, is he or similar to Ronaldo where he just, you know, there to poach the goals or not? So maybe Joel can add some yeah. points. Joel, do you agree with uh, most of that? Yeah, well, my biggest hope is that Van der Beek uh, starts excelling again and, and gets <laughs> back. So that's uh, that's what I'm looking most forward to. I'm not sure if it will happen. Uh, but like, In time for the uh, World Cup, yeah? In time for the World Cup, indeed. So he's got about half a year to uh, to do that. Um, but coming back to the Ronaldo uh, point, I think it's very interesting. Um, the way the way Tanakh plays and the, the way... Uh, what he demands of of his attackers as well is to be part of the 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 full press, right? They they are part of the first part of the defense, which means they have to work mm-hmm. hard. Um, Haller does 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 work very hard. All the attackers they they go back. They mm-hmm. or they also have to initiate the press. It's not about tracking back, but they have to to start the press. I think with Ronaldo, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's going to have to be a discussion with Tanaka and Ronaldo, kind of what what do they uh, agree with each other to do? But I agree with this that. Uh, Ronaldo has so many goals in him. Like, can you afford to to get rid of him at this point? And is he the 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 worst part of the team that you need to change right now, or do you have bigger issues, say, at the back, at the at the defensive midfield? Yeah, that's a good point, Joel. And I think we'll leave that towards the end, where we also look at uh, which players Ten Hag might potentially bring into the team uh, to focus on the issues uh, that United have at hand. Uh, but something uh, I would love to discuss on, and um, since you watch Ajax and the RDVZ very closely, is Eric Ten Hag as a man himself. Um, I think there's a lot we can get out from the interviews uh, that we watch. Uh, but, you know, as you know, interviews can just be a facade. And it'll be interesting to know what is he really like behind the scenes and in the club and how he's perceived. So, uh, yeah, Joel, if you could shed some light, basically, what is he like uh, as a person in uh, general and what can we expect? Yeah, so I think uh, Ten Hag, in a certain way, is is quite uh, authentic when it comes to him in the media. What you, what you see is, is, is what you get. He's not a, a showman of, of any sorts. Um, he he's someone that's just very uh, focused on the on 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 the football on on getting his team to perform. You know, he doesn't really care too much about the things around the side. He mm. um, he is a perfectionist in in that sense, and you can tell by when he when he talks in his interviews and stuff. He wants everything to go to go well. Can pick out 
the smallest points that go wrong. And uh, in that sense, it's also very demanding of his players, right? Of trying to get them to do everything as as is uh, discussed or agreed upon. Uh, in terms of his character, I think he's he's quite reserved and maybe a bit introvert. Like I said, he's not really uh, about being in the spotlight. But that being said, in a game itself, he is very focused on on getting the team going, and and he will coach a lot on the side. But he's not one like uh, like a club or something, you know, to get the fans going or, or something like that. Um, okay. From what I uh, what you see and what you hear from the players is is it's all very very positive, right? He's kind of kind and also very loyal to the players. I think he uh, he defends them on and off the pitch. And to me, it's quite interesting. Uh, what I've noticed, at least, is when he uh, if the team does well he will praise them and address them being a, saying like, oh, they did well and they did this well. Um, and then if the team plays poorly and something goes wrong, he will always bring it back as a, a we, like we didn't do this well, we didn't do that well. I think that kind of shows uh, his loyalty to the team and how he defends them. And uh, as far as I know, he's not really had any personal issues with players. That being said, and I think we'll touch upon that, he hasn't really managed big egos or anything yet either. Yeah, I mean, it could be big in terms of, I guess, I exercise in the league potentially. But like you said, these are not like world beaters uh, in terms of the players. So it'll be interesting whether he can manage this at uh, United because I think this United over the years, there has been a lot of um, personal falling out uh, in the dressing room. And I think currently as well, uh, the dressing room every time, I think, with Gary Neville and all the pundits, that's something that's being addressed as one of the main issues. Uh, so, I mean, do you think uh, Ten Hag potentially has a big job there and how do you think he'll do knowing his uh, personality? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously going to be one of the bigger challenges aside from getting the team to win, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy, obviously. Um, I think it's not easy for any manager. This is not just for Ten Hag. I think any manager coming to you know, manage Manchester United with the players that they have. I, I it's a tough job, and um, I, I it's hard to say if you'll be able to manage it or not. Like we've seen it with uh, Mourinho, even such a big top manager. You know, mm. he comes in, he has a fallout with Pogba, and and in the end, you know, he gets sacked. And then I guess the only person who was able to sort of manage them properly was Oli. Like he got the players going, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask out of all the managers after yeah. Ferguson, I guess, which ones actually had vibes relationships only. and yeah, vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Into, in terms of like, there was a lot of respect for the like manager yeah. and like the relationship. You, you would say Ole was up yeah. there in terms we've, of... I uh, think we've gone... Uh, there are only a few clubs, I would say, that maybe the manager has the most power. I think in United, it's, it's between the players. I think the players are the ones who dominate the dressing room, you know, not the managers. Like you can see Ralph... I think that's because maybe he's an interim manager or what. It's like how... Substitute teacher. Yeah, substitute teacher. I was coming to that point, you know. <laughs> and um, I think yeah. those who are not going to listen to him need to get the f get out. I mean, basically, <laughs> you know, he needs to ship them out, right? Yeah. And I think that would be his main thing, lah, you know. And I think he would persevere that way. Yeah, I think Joel touched on it earlier about he's not a Klopp-esque figure that can change the club from top to bottom, but also... United are, could be run very different from Ajax and Liverpool, for example. So, Joel, from what you've seen, I guess, 
I think Ajax has always been lauded as a very well-run club. Uh, but it'll be interesting to know whether Ten Hag had a big part to play in that over the past few years when he's been there. Or do you think that Eric Ten Hag just fit uh, the club's uh, system and how it's run just very well and it's more on that case rather than him having a massive impact on the club? I, I think uh, Ten Hag has had a, um, an impact on how the first team is run, not necessarily how the club is run mm-hmm. as a whole. I think that, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, is, is, uh, is quite well managed. But uh, when it comes to the first team, he was part of the change. I don't think he initiated it, but he was part of the change where they um, tried to bring in a bit more experienced players, try to become competitive again in Europe. So that meant bringing in some more expensive players and also working on kind of your, your squad as a whole, not just on the, on the talented youth. Um, mm. And that way create more consistency. I think uh, if you look at uh, the, the transfers that have come in, someone like Haller, that's definitely um, Ten Hag's doing, or he, he's vouching okay. for him because they played together in Utrecht. Ajax spent right. 25 mil on, on him. That, that's a big signing for Ajax. And in the end, you see it, it's worked out, but uh, that's definitely Ten Hag being involved with, with the transfers. So he's, he's involved there. He's not been, been part of the full change, I would, I would say. Okay. And how is that different to United Vis? I mean... He's, he has a lot of say, as Joel said, in the transfers uh, and so forth. And coming into the United setup where there's a lot of changes going on as well. Uh, simultaneously, at the same time, Eric Ten Hag is coming in. Um, so how will that all fit in, you think? I think initially he's just going to be fully focused on the first team. To I mean, that would be his first aim, I think highest priority. And then sort of address the other things like the recruitment, the coaching and the other departments in the hierarchy, I would say. Mm. But as Rahul was saying in the previous pod, right, you know, there's just so many figures within the United hierarchy. It's like they're sort of all over the place. And yeah, it's going to be hard for him to maneuver through that. But Mm. I think for me personally, I would say that would be, I think, his biggest challenge to sort of have authority over maybe his first team even, you know, he's going to have challenges there, you know, on how to navigate through that. And um, yeah, I think that that's that's his first step he needs to focus on. Because for example, you said even the Ronaldo signing was not actually Ole yeah, signing. Yeah, I don't think that was Ole signing. That was more of uh, Joel Glazer overriding everyone and saying, no, 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 we're getting him in. We're going to milk as much as we can from his signing. You know? <laughs> Look at his financial projections. When yeah, he, uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Woodward, I remember he said it, I think, quite a long time ago. He was like, uh, Man United can still make money without winning games or something like that. You know, he come out and said it outright. What a like, crazy statement! Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> you're just probably stating facts. Yeah, facts. Yeah. <laughs> facts. My God. Okay, that's yeah, that is quite interesting because I think that will definitely be one uh, of the main struggles and issues uh, that we see when uh, Ten Hag comes in. And I think on top of that, uh, Joel already mentioned about how he. Um, conducts himself during interviews and things. And I think when he comes into the English Premier League, I think the media is one of the things that can definitely get a manager sacked faster than the yeah, performances itself. For sure. um, they don't and... take business. Exactly. Media. It's not only exactly. that. I think it's the... Even the like the YouTube uh, channels, you know, the uh, online fans, people like me, Mark Goldbridge, yeah, Mark Goldbridge, <laughs> all these people contribute, you know, to a certain extent to that to add to that pressure, you know, yeah. and for him to stay true to himself, sort of, you know, just 
stick to his own beliefs, I think that's going to be a proper test for him. And he just has to go through all that, bro. That's the that's the baggage you're going to get if you're going to be Man United manager. All these ex-players, all these ex-pundits. I mean, sorry, ex-players who have become pundits like your Gary Neville's, your Roy Keane's. These are all club legends, you know, giving their take on things, right? It's going to be yeah. hard. It's going to be hard to take all that. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know if Ten Hag has really worked with a fully uh, international squad, uh, for example, and how he's going to take on uh, sort of the English media and English interviews. I mean, do you have an idea, Joel? Uh, in terms of, uh, especially the international squad part, I think is a very diverse uh, set of group. I'm not sure if Ajax have uh, sort of as many nationalities, for example, at May 9th. No, I, I think this is going to be one of his biggest challenges is uh, in both the media and uh, the international squad. I think uh, he, he just comes across as a bit clumsy on the media, in the media, so they will definitely uh, rip into that, uh, especially if the performance <laughs> isn't going well. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of the international kind of squad, Ajax has quite an international uh, squad, but it's it's still very much uh, Dutch Dutch player led. Um, right. So I think it will be interesting. I, I'm not fully sure at how good his his English is. It he, he seems to be better than Van Gaal, but okay, that's that's oh. not so uh, yeah. that's not such a big yeah. thing. But it, and how did Van Gaal do during his time in United? Do you remember this? Uh, uh, yeah, the very media? very entertaining. <laughs> uh, but no, his English is is okay. Uh, Van Hal, yeah, better than Van Hal's English, I would say. Um, I've saw, I've seen a few press conferences, uh, and it's it's quite good. You can understand what he's saying. Obviously, he's gonna not gonna break down the analysis and all in proper English, but you know, you you get the point that he's trying to make. So that's I think that's good enough. Yeah, but I think what's interesting is since he's such a, like a perfectionist and wants everything to be done in the detail, can he bring that across to his players? And I think mm. what's important there is one, he, he starts picking up uh, kind of the details quicker. If you look kind of at like Guardiola, how quickly he picks up languages and, and stuff right. like that. And the second is is the kind of his technical staff and what he builds around there. And I think that's going to be key. He's bringing in uh, Mitch von Kaag, who's his assistant coach now, who um, has worked in Portugal. Uh, so speaks Portuguese. I think that that means you've got access to your Portuguese Brazilian players. Um, mm. I don't know mm. if it's confirmed yet, but bringing in McLaren or, or someone at least who knows the club, who knows the Premier League, can kind of help him navigate his way through through the media and stuff. I think that's going to be key mm. in uh, in making him successful there. Okay, so he's planning to have two basically assistants. Um, is that what's um, the setup is? And that's current setup. As um, well. no, it's it's not confirmed yet. Yeah, like the McLaren one, they want to make it happen, but nothing is official yet as of today. Okay. So yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, I think we've touched on Eric Ten Hag, uh, himself as a person. I think there's some interesting discussions there to see how he would actually uh, translate uh, all that he's done in Ajax um, into United. I think to build on that, uh, it'd be interesting to. Now focus on his time at United uh, specifically. And what I want to start with is what would constitute a successful season? I guess this is a broader Man United question. Uh, but I guess in this pod, we want to put it in the context of Eric Ten Hag um, as well. And what would constitute a successful season uh, in his view and United's view? Um, I would say a clear style of play. It's good that he's getting a preseason. And yeah, clear style of play, um, some consistency 
in I think it's been quite some time since United won like two three games on the bounce even you know so I think that is something that he needs to bring and top four I think it's is is yeah definitely agree yeah, yeah the first season top four maybe a cup any cup for me even now FA Cup I would say wow you know I would be really happy I used to look down on the FA Cup but <laughs> but you know here like, we are yeah here we are <laughs> <laughs> here we are man <laughs> so yeah and the thing is no Dutch manager has been um, an outstanding success in the EPL I think Ruud Hullet and Gus Hiddink they both won the FA Cup uh, so did uh, Van Hal. oh and that's a thing uh, yeah yeah so I don't know if he's going to break the barrier or not and see but for me success in the first season I would say top 4 top 4 is more than enough even if he doesn't make top 4 if there's you know some sort of trophy or clear style of play like I said I think you know you, you could you could do that yeah this so question on, on, on the top 4 because I, I think I can agree that top 4 would be an expectation but it, it, if you look at the teams that are there now right you look at uh, Liverpool City that that's two spots already taken from the top 4 now you're fighting for top 4 with uh Chelsea arguably already also a lot more established and then say the likes of of uh, Spurs and and Arsenal so um i th- i think i agree with top 4 is is a nice goal but how how achievable would it be in in one year and would it not be better to focus indeed on cup or europe that's a very good question yes it's realistically speaking i think it's it's going to be really tough because i think arsenal are turning a corner as well I think they've they've progressed into something much more of a threat now. Uh, Spurs under Conte, they look they look really good, and um, yeah, it's not going to be easy. But what I want to put is, I think at least be there in the fight until the end of the season. You know, I think that's very important to keep it as close as he can, not just wilter away six seven like how it is this season. Um, but then again, this season is I think United's worst season ever, something like that. Uh, statistically, uh, we've conceded uh, 55 goals. That we've never conceded that much in a worst single season. Worst points tally, right? Ever, yeah, ever, tally yeah. ever. And so him coming and not doing worse than this, I think it would already be a success. <laughs> the bar so, is very low. Yeah, the bar is very, very low. But going back to your point, Joel, I can't say for sure we'll make top four. I think it would be huge if we make top four. Maybe we'll get like, uh, you know, what happened with Liverpool last season? Who knew all their centre-backs would get injured, right? So maybe something like that, you know, I don't know, but but let's see. I'm positive, I'm positive, but let's see. Yeah, I think we brought it out at the start, near the start of the pod where his Utrecht to Ajax and Ajax to United moves look very similar where Ajax didn't win for a while before mm. that and United are struggling at the moment, so... Yeah, but the thing is, right, you see, yeah, you look at it that way, but Ajax are such a well-run club, you know. Compared mm. to United, United are a mess in every department. They're a mess, so I think it's not going to be easy at all. Like it won't be as easy as it was in IX. That's for sure, for sure. You know, yeah. So yeah, different country and all those uh, things that we discussed about. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think something really interesting to talk about. Um, and Fabrizio Romano probably agrees. Uh, he's going to have a whale of a summer I think <laughs> uh, but that is which players uh, Eric Ten Hag will likely buy and will look to buy um, for Man United uh, during the summer I think the fact that you appointed him in April gives him a chance to really start looking and maybe talk to even some of the Ajax players unfortunately uh, Joel uh, but I think I'll go to Joel first uh, in terms of who you see in terms of 
positions, players, and also uh, specific players that he might look to bring in for United? Yeah, so I think if you look at, at the United squad and if you look at the, the style of play Den Haag would want to bring, it's going to be crucial to bring in uh, ball-playing centre-backs, ball-playing midfielders. You know, you want to play out mm -hmm. from the back, you want to be able to lure the opponent and then kind of create the space behind. Um, so we look at Ajax and you're looking at the centre-backs, I think uh, either uh, Martinez or Timber uh, would be good signings for United. They're also versatile. They could play in the wing-back position. They could play defensive midfield. And they, they know uh, Ten Hag's style of play. Um, right. I think that they're a bit small uh, for uh, for the Premier League in terms of pro proper centre-backs, but could work out. And they're also quite quick, right? So you need kind of uh, rapid centre-backs to uh, when you're pushing pressing forward. How is that compared to Maguire Lindelof? Because they are meant to be ball-playing centre-backs as well. Um, and so I don't know whether they, he can he feel he can utilise those. I don't know if he's going to get the best out of them. But like uh, Joel said, you know, you need rapid centre-backs. And I think Maguire is far from rapid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a word I would use to uh, describe him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And on top of the centre-backs, draw, you were uh, mentioning other positions as well. Yeah, I think uh, one player who has potential of being uh, world-class is, is Anthony. And if they have a chance mm. of getting Anthony, then uh, then they should. <laughs> um, I don't think he's going to advocate for Ten Hag's style or you know knows the tactics through and through, but he's just a great player. But I, actually, I want to veer away from the Ajax players, you know, try to keep them at the club. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to start advocating for... Uh, other players from the A to the BG. Let's see if we can get yeah, some. Uh, he listens to this. Yeah, so if, uh, if the knock is listening, uh, then uh, <laughs> hopefully we can get some players from PSV and Feyenoord. So it uh, makes the league a bit easier for Ajax uh, next season as well. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I think Anthony is a good signing, Joel. I think if he were to come, I think that's not the main uh, issue right now, but it, it would work. Um, yeah, because I was going to mention that you have CDM, you're quite stacked in the winger position. Yeah, winger positions are quite stacked. But the thing is, United, we don't have a left-footed winger. And I feel having a left-footed player in your attack changes the dynamics of how you attack, you know, yeah. to a certain extent. And looking at how uh, Eric Ten Hag plays with Ajax, he loves inverted wingers. Right, that's his thing. So in order to have inverted wingers, you need a left and a right-footed uh, winger. And with uh, Mason Greenwood joining Prison FC, I, th I think we're out of left-footed wingers. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe, you were mentioning about the Feyenoord and uh, PSV players. Which ones uh, do you have your eye on? Yeah, so I think at, at, at PSV, the Sangare, defensive midfielder, he's physically strong. He's good on the ball. Uh, can score some goals as well. I think would really... Uh, be add value to uh, to the United squad, uh, and then if you're looking at, at wing backs, um, Malasia from Feyenoord, he's a left back. I think maybe not the biggest issue at the United squad right now, but uh, he's just really confident on the ball, consistent in tackling. Actually, Ajax has, was showing interest in him as well. A bit of a sensitive yeah. uh, move for him to Ajax, but so Ten Hag has right. had his eye on him already. And there are rumors okay. that he will take him with him to uh, to United. Mm. I'll definitely be clipping these sections of the pod if some of these uh, transfers go through. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, 
<laughs> and Viz, I think you mentioned uh, you're very excited to talk about this defensive midfield position, which you think is definitely your biggest uh, weakness. So uh, that's definitely a Ten Hag's priority, you think? Yeah, most definitely. I think it's very, very important that he gets a proper ball-carrying CDM. I think he had a lot of success with Frankie de Jong. Um, somebody similar to the, his sort of style, um, like with Alvarez right now in the current Ajax squad, I think he's very important to the to how um, Ajax play, right? How about and Graven Birch, actually? What's, what's his... Uh, where's, is he going somewhere already? Or? Yeah, he's... Because uh, yeah. he's out of contract uh, next season and he's not going to renew, so they're looking to sell... Um, this season, but he's likely to go to Bayern Munich. I think it's almost uh, confirmed. Almost confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Right now, we just have. Um, I would say there's no other player like Matic in our squad, and Matic is like what 40, 50 years old, I think. <laughs> so we need to get a young Matic, someone who can play because he can play as a lone CDM. You know, Matic. I mean, in his prime, lah. Prime. Yeah, and we need a sort of player like that because McTominay can't do that. Fred can't do that. All our CDMs just can't do that, you know. And we really need a player in that department. I was banging on this prior to signing Ronaldo, Sancho, all these people. Even we need, we needed a proper CDM, you know. And I think it's quite apparent how we can't control games at all, you know. Like you saw against Brighton, there's no, you know, control in the midfield, nothing whatsoever. Mm. We need a proper CDM. No protection for the defense. Or nothing. Yeah. At all. Nothing. Okay. Interesting. Um. I think that wraps up uh, the special pod today. I want to thank Joel uh, for coming on and bringing all his interesting and unique insights uh, into Eric Ten Hag, Ajax, as well as Eredivisie, and Vis, of course, uh, our normal pod host. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this very uh, different pod and special pod. Uh, if you like it, we'll definitely be doing more in the future and we'd love to have Joel back when uh, Eric Ten Hag um, is struggling in the middle of next season. So thanks everyone for uh, tuning in and this is the Bola Boys. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester and that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid, no one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, Crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.